Today's podcast is on the health care bill's pharmacy exemption requirements. All non-accredited pharmacies have until December 31, 2010 to apply for the pharmacy exemption. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have been releasing information concerning the pharmacy exemption requirements. The 5% pharmacy exemption rule has been widely advertised as a relief for independent pharmacies. However, it is not as simple as the press releases have made it sound. Please remember, if you are accredited, no actions or decisions are needed. Your accreditation is full for three years. Today's recording is with guest Jeff Hedges of RJ Hedges & Associates. This is Todd Urey, the Executive Director of the Pharmacy Technology Resource, and this is the PTR Pharmacy Podcast, and today we have um, a returning guest, um, Mr. Jeff Hedges of RJ Hedges & Associates, who was our guest back in February, and Jeff had talked about uh, HIPAA compliancy and the importance of that within independent pharmacy. Um, we have Jeff back today, and we're centered around the untold truth of pharmacy exemption requirements, and I'm uh, very interested in talking with you, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, and yourself? Very good. So I received your uh, message, your email, about uh, three or four days ago, and um, I always immediately open anything you send me because of uh, uh, everything that you've talked with before has been extremely interesting and, and very much on the uh, on the uh, cuff. And I uh, was very interested in, in reading all non-accredited pharmacies have until uh, December 31st, 2010 to, to apply for the pharmacy exemption. And you know what? There's a lot of, I guess, fuzziness in, in the entire even term of, of using the word um, being exempt. Can you uh, basically kind of open up this entire topic for us and the independent pharmacy listeners out there, Jeff, and, and really try to clarify this for us? Okay, well, in the health care bill that was just passed, there was a pharmacy exemption uh, clause placed into this bill. And it allows any pharmacy that does less than 5% of DME sales of the gross revenue to apply for an um, exemption from the accreditation requirements. Now, the pharmacies that have been accredited already they don't. This does not apply to them. It only applies for those pharmacies who have not done anything up until this point. Uh, what they have to do is, is they have to. Um, there's a process that CMS has established for the uh, for pharmacies to go through the exemption process. And the hard thing is, is proving that you have less than five percent. And a lot of folks, when they say they think about, it, yeah, we have less than five percent. But the problem is, is you're financials and your pharmacy computer system is not set up to segregate your DME cells out. And it's not just your, uh, it's not, it's just DME cells. It's not part B. It just focuses on the DME. So your part B pharmaceuticals are not included in this. And uh, the process is you have to apply for this through CMS. You have to have a uh, uh, financial statements that you have to submit to CMS, and you have to segregate your um, the financials to indicate a line item for DME cells. And then you submit uh, all the paperwork down to CMS for review, and they will either accept it or they won't. Now, 
a pharmacy that's not going to qualify for this is if it's a new pharmacy or if a pharmacy has changed hands and they received a new EIN. In either case, if it's less than five years old, this exemption does not apply. Uh, again, if you're over 5% of your DME cells, it doesn't apply. And also, if the pharmacy is planning on submitting or preparing a bid uh, for competitive bidding, and Region 1 has already been submitted, and Region 2 uh, will be starting um, next year, we'll be submitting into those items. Exempt pharmacies will not be able to apply for this, so you'll have to be accredited. So those are the, the initial roadblocks that you have to do and are steps you have to get through to become an exempt pharmacy. So what happens in, if a pharmacy does trickle over to the 6, 7, 10% of their cells and um, and and there's a uh, audit to be done? Uh, what happens at that point? Okay, as soon as you hit 5.01% of your cells, you are automatically not exempt pharmacy, and you have to be accredited. And this is going to be a challenge um, because Medicare Advantage. Uh, according to the health care bill, all Medicare Advantage plans are going to be eliminated. And it, all indications lead, and it's not been formally announced, but it appears it's going to be January 1st of 2011, the Advantage plans are gone. And at that point, all your patients in the pharmacy that are in an advantage plan, they're going to revert back to regular Medicare. So right away, a bulk of your patients are in that field, and whatever your uh, number may be, if it's 2%, 3%, 4%, you're probably going to double it at least right off the bat, and that's going to throw you over. And then if you're uh, exempt and you exceed the 5.01%, you have to be accredited quickly to go ahead and continue the bill. So what what can a independent pharmacist owner do today uh, just to double triple check this? Um, are you saying go back into your um, your pharmacy computer system and, and make a make a run on everything that's been processed through Medicare Part uh, Part A? No, it'll be Medicare Part B. But it all depends on how they have the system set up. Some pharmacies will set it up with a a code of MA or M1 for Medicare, and they may be able to do a search to find out how it's uh, how many people or are, are prescriptions are being processed through those fields. And then you have to segregate out your uh, Part B pharmaceuticals from your DME cells. Now, once you get that done, if your system's set up to do that, then you got to get everything over to your CPA to recreate your financials. And the Medicare Advantage programs, they're supposed to be eliminated, and that's supposed to be January 1st, 2011. What happens after that point? Uh, the Advantage plans, if in fact it is on January 1st of 2011, they're eliminated. All of those patients will lose that coverage, and they will be just regular Medicare with no, with no secondary coverage or anything at this point. Again... HHS is being real careful on how they're saying this because this is affects the seniors and the election is in November and this is not supposed to go into effect until January. Um, wonder if they uh, did that on purpose, um, Jeff. Nothing surprises me out of Washington anymore. Everything's very well planned out. 
uh, and not necessarily for the good of the patient. So this announcement was released, I believe, uh, as, as it was copied on your release, your press release, April 26, 2010. What's been happening, uh, Jeff, in the, in the market since then? Have, have you had a, a flurry of, of calls with regards to, to being sure that, um, that an independent is truly pharmacy um, exempt? Yeah, uh, the best, the biggest calls that I'm getting right now is pharmacies that are already accredited. They think they have to stop what they're doing and apply for the exemption process. Uh, they are, they have a golden egg right now. Uh, as long as they are accredited and their accreditation, whatever of the 10 accreditation boards they use, is good for three years. Uh, at the end of that three years, they can look, reevaluate to see where you're at. As far as, do, am I under 5% or am I over 5%? Do I need to be correct? You've got mail. Accredited or do I not? And um, those are the big things that they have to look at. But everything's going to change. Once this plan goes into, our, all these things go into effect next year, there's going to be adjustments and there's going to be problems down the line that we're, everybody's going to have to deal with. So uh, there's no clear-cut, definitive, yes, this is going to happen this particular way. Only thing we know for a fact is is that all these Advantage Plan people are moving over to Medicare. And we calm them down from there. For the people that are coming in, then uh, they're asking, well, I'm not accredited, what should I do? And then I first thing I ask is, is there a way you can determine it? But then the other thing I ask them is, what are your insurance companies doing? And they'll ask a lot of times why. And I said, have you received anything from your insurance companies about are you accredited? Are you processing, uh, applying for accreditation? Uh, and these are two big questions because we're seeing from different parts of the country that insurance companies are starting to mandate uh, accreditation to be a plan participant. We're seeing in most states right now that if you're opening up a new facility, you cannot get a Medicaid number until you have a Medicare number. And in, uh, and in most cases, you're not going to get a Medicare number until you're accredited. So that process could take up to six months from the time you get a credit or apply for accreditation, get accredited, apply for your uh, Medicare number, get that back, and then you have to apply for your Medicaid number. So it's becoming very, very difficult. Yeah, the... Uh the CMS uh, starting to revoke the billing numbers for pharmacies who have not met the DME accreditation requirements, and you have to recognize that these—that's—that's uh, I mean, that's a that's a big you know pain in the butt for any independent trying to run a run a business. And the requirements can mean that many pharmacies will not be able to provide these important products to, of course, their Medicare uh, beneficiaries and, and patients and, and customers. Um, I think that CMS has unfairly targeted pharmacies for um, meeting um, these requirements while exempt, you know, making exempt uh, 17 other um, uh, similarly uh, state-regulated healthcare professionals and, uh, you know, doctors' offices or clinics or even um, some hospital systems. Yes, it is. Um, it is unfair, uh, but their justification is is that they're paying 100 billion dollars a year in Medicare fraud claims. So uh, as normal, the people who are doing it the right way, doing it the best way and the legal way, are the ones that are always getting punished. 
So what's um what in your expertise and and your advice uh, for for any of our listeners and and any of the independents that are out there? What steps do they do they take at this point? I mean, you, obviously we're encouraging them to double check um, uh, their their own business and their their financials to push some of this information out for them. But is there anything else that they can they can keep in mind to to just ensure that um, that everything is is as it should be in order to to carry on business daily? Right. The first thing they need to do is not panic. The second thing is not to believe everything you're reading that's being released uh, throughout the country. Uh, look at it very carefully. If you are accredited, you can relax completely. If you're not accredited and you're going through the process, uh, just continue the process and get you get yourself accredited. There are organizations like my own company that will help and aid the pharmacy to go through the accreditation process. Um, and then look at your financials. Uh, and when you talk to your CPA, it's just like when you're talking to your attorney. Uh, these are going to incur costs when they're going to have to redo, restructure your financials. Um, all these things will have to be done and the applications have to be submitted to Medicare and you have until December 31st. And that's if your number is still active. Okay. So if you, if you voluntarily terminated your number, uh, then that brings up other issues. But right now, if you have an active number, uh, you have till December 31st to have everything submitted and processed. And with the way things are with CMS, you want to get it. If you're going to apply for an exemption, you want to get it in early. You don't want to be waiting till November, December to do this. Now, there is the um, exemption um, application and um, and becoming exempt. Tell me about that process, Jeff. Tell me how long that actually takes. If if I'm if I'm going through, if I'm an independent pharmacist, I'm going through that process. Okay, to be accredited. Yes. Okay. If you, uh, I'll use my company for example. If you come to us today, and you said that I want to be accredited and uh, apply, for, uh, get my my Part B number to do all my DME items. Uh, it norm typically will take us six months from the time we start working on your process until we get all the paperwork done and all the accreditation surveys done and the paperwork down to Medicare. That's typical. We can do, in some cases, we are able to get it done faster. It depends on the size of the operation. Um, the larger they are, the more complicated they are. And uh, we just work through the process. Uh, but on average, it's six months. On average, it's six months. Now, what happens between that? Is there a is there a um, a leeway of any sort that, that I can continue um, doing business, or is there any kind of um, a temporary certification or, or accreditation that that I can get in the meantime? Okay. Well, it goes back to what the pharmacy did back in January. If the pharmacy voluntarily terminated their number. Uh, then we, they have to wait 90 days before they can start applying to get their number back, and they have to go through an inspection. The um, uh, If they didn't do anything in January, and then there was an extension, and then there was a second extension in March, if they didn't do anything, then they're fine as of today until December 31st. So they can continue dispensing um, what the products that they have. 
and what they have been doing on their Medicare application. It's kind of confusing because there's so many different, there's so many scenarios that the pharmacy may or may not have done. And a lot of times they may not realize that they did one thing or another because of the amount of paperwork that they're doing. It, it seems confusing to me. I, I, I mean, I, I even follow, uh, through some of, uh, of what you, you tell us and, and I've even listened to, um, you know, other presenters of this information or actually I should say I've read about it. And um, it it can it can be very confusing and and as a as a business owner I'm sure there are independents out there who aren't quite sure um, where they stand and then uh, what to do if if they feel that they're they're not uh, in compliance. Right. Well, what we go through an interview process when someone calls into us and we start. What's your status? Are you is your Part B number active or not active? Uh, have you terminated it or not terminated? Can you do um, pharmaceutical uh, Part B pharmaceuticals only, or are you able to do strips? And we go through a series of questions to try to find out where they're at. If they don't know, and it's not uncommon that they they're not sure what their status is, then we can notify uh, contact CMS and we can make an inquiry. Hey, uh, pharmacy ABC, are they? Uh, is their number active? Is it active for pharmaceuticals only, or is it active for certain DME? And we can get that information out. And sometimes it takes that just to find out where they're really at. So you're doing that on behalf of the uh, independent pharmacist? Yes, we do. Okay. And um, obviously you know the questions to, to ask. Um, are, are you able to um, uh, provide... Uh, those questions to the to the pharmacist uh, to ask themselves, or is it or is it part of your service that you're that you're um, you're as a consultant you're you're bringing um, and and uncovering this information for the independent? That's part of our service that we provide. Um, we we with all the answers that we get to the questions, then we evaluate and then we make contacts uh, based on the information we receive and. Uh, and I don't want to say that anybody can do it. We just streamline the process so we can get through through the bureaucracy down in uh, CMS fairly quickly. Now you had um, you had said that there is uh, lots of information out there, and and some of it is um, not exactly right, and and some of the things that are being um, released from. Uh, you know, different uh, news groups or associations. Is is there anything that's 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 been out there that that you can you can state as a correction or that you could um, uh, kind of uh, lead uh, our independent uh, pharmacy listeners in a in the right direction? Uh, the biggest thing is is someone's, you've got mail. It's coming to you, and you're being told that if you fall under five percent, you're pharmacy exempt. You don't need to do anything. That is 100% incorrect. You, you must do uh, financials. You must submit an application to CMS. They're setting it up that you can do it online. And then you're going to get a desk audit from CMS after, the, uh, after your exemption is approved. And that's another thing. Um, we're going to be an uh, exempt pharmacy is going to be audited more than anybody else because they're going to come in to validate that you're below the 
Yeah, I remember. I remember last, you know, last year in in December, uh, uh, CMS uh, said it would continue to to process accreditation determinations uh, for pharmacies after January first. But then, I think after May thirty thirtieth or May thirtieth thirty first, there was uh, there's going to be um, penalties. I, I don't know, of course, what's what's come of that, but um, th- this is this is. Um, a change in that drive or a change in that process? Yeah, everything's changing. Uh, right now with Medicare, they have, they are, uh, they're going out and doing inspections right now to every Medicare Part B provider. They're going in to validate that there's a legitimate facility. They're taking pictures and ensuring that a certain documentation is there. When this is done, okay, and they're anticipating it to be done sometime in June. Then CMS is going to start going out and doing desk audits and random. And they're going to be doing it for a lot of variety of reasons, to verify billing, but they're also going to verify prescriptions. And the other thing that's happening, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but with these uh, audits that are coming out, when they come into a pharmacy and they find that that prescription was improperly filled because the prescription was not correctly filled out, uh, they're going to cite the pharmacy and pull that money back. But the new thing is, is they're going to leave the pharmacy and they're going to go to the doctor who wrote that script incorrectly and they're going to cite him for doing the uh, writing a uh, improper script. Which is no, because before it was only the pharmacy who was getting penalized and now they're going to look at everybody. Boy, is that interesting. I never I never even you know, thought of the, of the, of the follow-up process, but so after June of, of 2010, um, the uh, actual audits are, you think, that they're going to increase? They're increased already. Uh, they're doing these inspections. If, if a pharmacy hasn't been, uh, that has a Part B number hasn't been inspected by now, they will be within the next six weeks. Okay. Yeah, I, I I hadn't even realized that. Um, what? Tell me about the the penalty side of this. What what happens to an independent pharmacy that that becomes penalized? Um, are are there different tiers of? Uh, as we had talked in February with regards to HIPAA and, and being uh, HIPAA compliant, um, we kind of went through some of the penalties. What are what are the penalties with regards to being um, um, uh, accredited? Okay. Well, there. The Medicare is starting to follow the third party's audit process. So if they come into the pharmacy and they find that the script was improperly filled, they'll pull the money back. If they find it as a series or as a, as a, that there's multiple people doing it, they'll extrapolate those fees and pull the money back. So, um, similar to what the third parties do when they come in. Um, and then at that point, then they have the ability to say, well, you're doing all these things wrong. We're pulling your Part B number. And they can pull your Part B number at any time for any reason that they feel necessary to do that. Wow. I I also have, have heard about um, the um, CMS uh, requirements um being different for um, home care uh, pharmacy businesses as well, and I don't I don't know how quite that plays in with with independence, but 
um, you know, there's rural areas out there where there are um, patients, um, and and of course even uh, in seniors specifically that that need these services, and and um, and I think the the local independent pharmacy plays a, a, a very uh, special role in, in getting those um, ser- those healthcare services to the rural areas and to the seniors. Um, they have to be sure to um, to make sure that they're uh, they have their, I want to say, house in order um, to be to be sure that they're running their business correctly because they, there's a need for them. There's a huge need. And <clears throat> one of the areas that we've already started seeing shortages on is um, mastectomy prosthetics for uh, uh, ladies who have uh, had a mastectomy. It is not uncommon for ladies in a rural area to travel three or four mi- or four hours to get uh, to find a provider who can do a Medicare uh, breast prosthetic. Pharmacy is a good setup where we can we have everything there. We can uh, have the people have a fitter go through a training class and be certified, and it takes care of that patient. But there's a huge area. And Northern Pennsylvania is a perfect example, north of I-80 that the ladies only have a choice of going to uh, Altoona or Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Well, there's a lot of area up, up north in Pennsylvania where you can't get to any place quick, and you have to drive all these hours to go find a fitter. And that's just one example. And we're already starting to see these shortages of providers. I um, I hadn't even really thought of that but uh, that's a that's a, not only a good point but that's also I think a, a business opportunity for some of the rural pharmacies that that aren't um, um, uh, DME um, if they're not using uh, that portion of pharmacy as part as a part of their business they should actually think of doing so right and we talk to every one of our clients about different opportunities that are out there uh, whether it be for diabetic shoes using the Dr. Comfort program, uh, whether it's mastectomy, uh, prosthetics through BOC certification, uh, BOC is the Board of Certification and Accreditation International, which is one of the two organizations to do that fitting uh, certification. Uh, we talk to them about immunizations uh, because take care of the seniors with immunizations from flu to pneumonia the shingles, and a variety of other uh, vaccines uh, and immunizations that we can provide at the pharmacy level now. And these are the areas that pharmacy needs to look at to increase the revenue. Who in the world of, <clears throat> of CMS um, and who, who's enforcing... Um, all of these policies. I know. I understand. At CMS, is it is it local offices throughout the in, the entire country? Is it um, is it is it speci- if it's is it tied into the board of pharm- the state board of pharmacies in, in each state? Um, how is it being um, how is it being enforced? Okay, we have regional offices all over the country with CMS. They have uh, inspectors within that facility uh, within each of those regional offices that are going out and doing inspections. They have also outsourced inspections. Uh, all the pharmacy inspections 
or medical supply offices that are going through these Part B inspections right now, nine times out of ten, the person that's doing that is an outsourced contractor. Okay, so give us a, a, a recap. Um, once one one more time, I'm a I'm a pharmacist, um, pharmacy owner. Um, I I have until December 31st, 2010, to apply for the pharmacy exemption. Um, give us a a quick <clears throat> a recap rundown of of uh, what I need to be aware of. Okay, first thing you want to do is is that. If you're not accredited, you want to find out that your Part B number is active. Okay. If it's active, then as long as your business is greater than five years old, your DME sales are less than 5% of your gross sales, or you're not uh, uh, submitting a bid for competitive bidding, then you'll need to go to CMS's website and download the application requirements to apply for a pharmacy exemption. You'll need to go to your CPA and have them redo all your financials and get everything in order in the format that CMS wants it, and then submit all that documentation to CMS in an advance with enough time that they can review it and accept or reject. You've got mail. Okay. And if an independent pharmacy listening to the show wants to reach out, to you specifically and get more information. Um, you are uh, Jeff Hedges with RJ Hedges and Associates, and uh, the local number uh, listeners are is 724-357-8380. That's 724-357-8380. And is there, um, is there anything else that uh, our independent pharmacy listeners should know, Jeff? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. <laughs> That's great. Well, once again, Jeff, it's always good having you on the uh, the show. Um, we appreciated uh, everything that you've um, content that you've given us. Uh, we'll be pushing this out through the PTR Pharmacy Technology blog, as well as uh, of course the uh, PharmacyPodcast.com uh, address. Uh, we're going to um, definitely have you back again, Jeff, and uh, we thank you for your time. Thank you, and everybody have a great day. Thank you. This was the PTR Pharmacy Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Todd Yuri, and um, we are for and uh, supporting the independent community pharmacy throughout the country, and um, we wish you well.